Hey, welcome to the official podcast of St. Luke Amy Church located in Garland, Texas. I am Pastor Amos St. John. And I am Pastor Jasmine St. John. We are the lead pastors of St. Luke Garland. And we're so excited that you have decided to listen to this podcast. Listen, we pray that the message you are about to hear will bless you right where you are. If you want to know any more information about our church, you can visit us at org. Now, get ready for the word. Good morning. Happy Sunday. Happy first Sunday to everybody. Welcome to a new month. It is the month of September and I don't know about you, but I'm always excited about the month of September because here in the St. John household, it is our birthday month. This week happens to be Pastor Amos's birthday. So happy birthday, Pastor Amos. We love you and we're so thankful that we were able to celebrate your birthday on yesterday. And as a church family, we get to celebrate today. So come on in the comments, type happy birthday to Pastor Amos and just let him know that he's loved this morning. We're just so thankful and excited that we get to celebrate. I know that there are some other September birthdays out in the uh, church family of St. Luke. And so we want to wish you happy birthday and happy anniversary to all of you who are celebrating this month with us as well. Well, church family, this month we're going to launch a new sermon series and we want you uh, to just come on and engage and, and set your notes. And here is the title of our sermon series this morning. It is called Doers of the Word. Doers of the Word. That's the theme that we're going to preach on each and every single week in the month of September. And I'm going to kick it off this morning, beginning in the book of John. So if you would turn with me to the book of John, the second chapter, and I'll read for you in your hearing verses 14 through 26 in the New Living Translation. Well, our scripture reads this morning as this it says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now, some may argue some people have faith, Others may have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith? If you don't have good deeds, I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish can't you see that faith without deeds is useless? Other translation says, verse 20 reads like this, but don't you want to know, oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? That's the translation we all are familiar with. Verse 21 says this, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. 
He was even called a friend of God. So you see, we are shown to be right with God by what we do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. Let us pray. God, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this message that's going to go forth this morning, God. We thank you for creating us to be doers of the work. Now, God, we pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Our title for our sermon this morning is called Faith in Crisis faith in crisis. This year would mark the 17th year since I've graduated from the Howard University in Washington, D.C. It was at Howard University where my parents dropped me off at the age of 16 years old in front of the Harriet Tubman quadrangle with hopes that I would excel at what I chose to matriculate uh, through Howard University's rigorous coursework. It was there that we had packed and planned and registered for classes in order to determine the path of the life that I had chosen. I was eager and excited to learn in an environment that would not only challenge me educationally, but would challenge what I would contribute to society and the world at large. It was a place that would teach you through every single professor what uh, and every nuanced experience as you walk through the yard of Howard University. It would teach you about who you were as a black person and more importantly who I was as a black woman. I was able to walk the same halls as my uh, that my great grandmother walked when she was a student there and I was able to sit in the same classrooms that my great grandfather taught when he was there. I was able to walk the same path and explore not only my own personal family history while I was attending Howard University's, but I was able to create memories that would last a lifetime, a bond with friends that would last a lifetime. And at the same time, go through some of the most pivotal moments in history in my life while being an undergrad at Howard. I had prepared for college through studying, practicing, but there was nothing that could have prepared me for what life threw at me during those years there. You see, I entered Howard University in the year of 1999. And my mother was elected and consecrated the first woman bishop in the AME church in the year 2000. It propelled me from being uh, almost uh, invisible on campus into being one of the most known persons on campus by my name alone, for I was her namesake. It happened overnight. And then the following year, that fateful year of 2001, one morning we were preparing to go to class and we're standing there in front of the television getting ready. And the news broke out that a plane had hit the Twin Towers in New York City. And as we were standing there in shock and awe and preparing to go to class, we see the news happening in real time that a second plane was heading for the other tower. And yes, that is that fateful day, that fateful uh, terrorist attack that took place on September 11, 2001. 
But the unique thing is that we were located in the heart of Washington, D.C. Our campus is sitting upon a hill and we could see all of the DMV if we just stand still long enough from where we are planted. DMV means D.C., Maryland and Virginia. Shortly thereafter, as we're heading to campus, because we're not really sure what is going on. Uh, we're not in an age where cell phones were prominent, where the Internet was used as much as it is now. We didn't know what was happening. And there we see a billow of smoke coming from the Virginia side. We realized another plane had hit the Pentagon. There were so many things that we could not have planned for. The trains being shut down, people having to walk on the highways. My father was one of them because this is a city that is a majority, a heavily commuter region. No one who actually worked in D.C. Uh, really lives in the D.C. area. So with no public transportation, there were people lost and walking everywhere. We prepared for class, but we could not prepare for this crisis. Little did we know that there was more to come. Following year after that, in 2002, we're preparing for the homecoming. You know, one of the highlights of attending Howard University is the homecoming. And in 2002, we're preparing, we're seeing flyers go up of all the talent that is going to come visit our campus. And then we find ourselves being told to run zigzag from place to place and lay low when we pump our gas because there was a heartless serial killer a sniper on the loose during that time. We had counter snipers on the roofs of our building so that we could get to class safe and homecoming would never be the same. We went from one crisis to another. I went from one pivot to another and yet we had to keep pressing forward. Friends who signed up for ROTC because they were offering money to assist with tuition were now being sent overseas to Afghanistan. We never were going to see them again. It, it was the start of what we now call the longest war ever. It's the one that just ended a few days ago in Afghanistan. It was not what they had prepared for when they entered into college. We survived going through the years at Howard just to enter the workforce at a time where employment was at an all time low. They said to us only 20% was going to be able to leave school with employment because at that time persons worked for longevity. They were there in jobs for longer periods of time. You had to be prepared, but might not get the chance to gain the experience. It was eventually deemed what they call the Y2K economic regression. We were officially considered to be the unluckiest generation in U.S. history, according to the Washington Post. You see, my generation, unlike previous generations, were in a position that was unique from the older generations and that we were not just hit by a recession, but we were also a generation that had already previously been hit. Three years later, the housing market crashes, Enron goes down, the big banks collapse, and we have to bail them out. We survive another modern day recession. We get to the age where we're able to get married and have children, and then there's a pharmaceutical crisis. Medicine and healthcare costs are now unaffordable, and people are opting to go without. And yet a few years later, we find ourselves fast approaching year number two of a global pandemic.
on the heels of a tumultuous presidency where they tried to eliminate health care for all. We couldn't tell our enemies from our allies. Distrust and racism reared its ugly head for so long that that became the new normal. And now here we are coming face to face with the real effects of global warming. The West Coast is steadily on fire while the East Coast, by the way of the Gulf, just suffered a Category 4 hurricane that struck land on the 20th anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. It was so powerful that it took a path by land and had enough strength that it caused tornadoes in Maryland and New Jersey, not to mention the unprecedented flooding and loss of life. We are in a crisis. What happens to our faith when we have faced crisis after crisis? What happens when you feel confident and sure of a thing and you find yourself not prepared ah, for what life is throwing at you? What happens when you get to a place where you feel like your faith has been tested over and over and over again? And now you find yourself with partial faith in one area of your life and maybe remnants of faith in another area of your life. Brothers and sisters collectively, whether you are a part of my generation or not. We find ourselves in situations in this journey that we call life that will test our faith. That's right. Test our faith. We do not know the full capacity of our faith until we are placed in situations and circumstances that require us to respond by faith. We can easily go from the lender to the borrower. We can go from everything going according to plan to having those plans disrupted in those moments. It's not the time to throw in the towel. It's, it's not in those moments that we sit down in despair. It's not the time to sh uh, shut down and shut the world out. Uh, every crisis, every trial, every test is not designed to take you out. Sometimes we go through things in life because they are stepping stones to your next by faith. And when the stepping stones appear, it is up to us to take the step, to do the work, to activate our faith, to respond based upon the word of God that is hidden within our hearts. That is how we become doers of the work and not just hearers of the word. Ah, that is how we begin to utilize the part of our faith that is the works as works amplify the faith that we do have. Even if in the moment of crisis, it's the size of a mustard seed, because how many of you know that's all God needs anyway? You don't need a whole lot of faith. If you just have faith, the size of a mustard seed, that's all God needs to do the miraculous. Let me, let me put it to you like this. I, I once had a professor at Howard who everyone hated to take because of course, uh, not only was he difficult to understand, he would also be the one who would give us the most pop quizzes. There was nothing worse than walking into the classroom and hearing those fateful words. All right, everybody take out a piece of paper because then you knew it was time for 
a pop quiz. When I finally passed the class and the, the grade was finally notated on my transcript and he could not take it back, I, I went to the professor and I asked, why did he give so many pop quizzes? And his response was simple. He, he said, I gave you pop quizzes because I needed to test you that when it came down to it, that you could recall what you had heard. That in a situation when you least expect it, you could make the right choice and choose the right response based on what you had heard in class. Uh-huh. I may not be getting amens right up in here because you think I'm still talking about classes in life at Howard. No. You see, the quizzes were a way to ensure that you not only heard the words that he was teaching, but you can articulate it and explain it for yourself so that when the time came, you could utilize the information. My brothers and sisters, that is what faith is. It is the response to that situation, that crisis, those pop quizzes you get in life. What God is challenging us this morning is to recall the word that you have heard and become doers also. Listening to the word is the preparation and faith is the knowledge, but the doing of the word is the response to what life will throw at you. And I know that there are some seasoned saints that belong to St. Luke AME that can be my witness this morning that you have been through some things that you never thought you would go through. You have seen some things that you never thought you would see. You have had to deal with some issues that you never thought that you would have to deal with. But let me encourage you this morning mm -hmm, to have faith like Abraham, who was faced with the impossible decision of having to place his son Isaac as a living sacrifice before the Lord. He heard the word of the Lord and it was in doing by faith that he found that God would never leave him nor forsake him. And he found a ram in the bush in the doing. Let me encourage you to do the work like Rahab. That when the spies had come, she acted in faith and hid them under flax while the soldiers searched for them. Her act of faith in the middle of crisis saved her family and spared her family's life when Joshua entered into the city of Jericho. God is saying, church, that as we are changing and shifting into this new normal church, we have to remember that faith includes more than lip service. We have to remember that faith is not just for, for those of us, uh, for just ourselves, but faith impacts everyone around us, our children, our community, our children's children. We have, as a nation, become so numb to crisis that the phrase thoughts, sending thoughts and prayers can be added to the Urban Dictionary to mean a response to human need. God is challenging us through this series to consider whether or not sending thoughts and prayers is an adequate, adequate response to those that are hurting, to those that are in need. And this is the charge that we find in the book of James that he gives to those who call themselves Christians. 
That if we say we are believers in the time of crisis, we have to be mindful of those who are suffering. Floodwaters and hurricanes and sickness and violence have no respecter of persons, no respecter of income or background. We are charged to not only be challenged, but what resides in our head through our thoughts. But faith comes through what we do with our hands, the deeds that we do and the works. As we begin to rebuild our center for the community on the corner of West Avenue E and become that which our community needs for us across our online campus, even in this season, we must begin to not only think about activating our level of faith that's gonna keep us through, but we have to activate the level of faith that allows us to do the work even in the middle of crisis. Means we're not just gonna talk about the things of God. We're gonna be examples in the way in which we move and how we live and how we respond. That is the evidence that faith dwells here. We don't show signs of of faith and evidence if we just sit idly by and watch time pass. We have to do the work and use whatever platform and whatever resource that we have to continue to be what our community needs us to be. We need to know how we can take our mustard seed faith and move mountains. We know how how God can take little and turn it into much. We we know God can shift an atmosphere to save one. So we know he can disrupt our plans to tell a fit a miracle just for us. So what is our call to action this morning? Glad you asked. Our call to action is to begin to internalize your faith in God so much so that at the appointed time, You will be able to respond without hesitation by faith. What does that look like, Pastor? Ah, For some of you, it means when God tells you to move, you move just like that. Uh, When God shows you uh, something that you need to see, a vision for the next step, you take that first step by faith. It means that uh, when God calls us to fast, that we fast by faith. It means that when he asks us to sow and prepare for the next phase, we prepare and sow in the next phase. It means that when God shows us what we're going to do in the next phase in ministry and that we're going to do it a different way, we participate in that different way by faith. When God gives you an idea for your business, it means that you begin to do the research on that business by faith. When God grants you the opportunity to bless someone else when they least expect it, that means you bless them without them asking by faith. It's time for us to become the doers of the word, to become the hands and feet of Jesus. I'm so glad that James tells us the way in which we become more like Christ is by activating our faith, by moving about life, in such a way that there is evidence that we are trusting God. It's no longer enough to say that we trust him. and We don't move like we do. We don't act like we do. We act like we don't trust God in this season. But I'm challenging you today, St. Luke, to become a doer of the word. 
Are you ready to become a doer of the word? The first thing we have to do is activate our faith in crisis. Let the blessed people of God say amen. Come on and let's praise God this morning for the word of the Lord. Come on and thank God already in advance for the fruit of this word. I pray that it resonated with you this morning and I pray that it encourages your heart. But right now I want to take a moment to ask those of you who may be watching if you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never fully acknowledged that he is your Lord and Savior, I'm offering you the invitation this morning. And I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. The word of the Lord says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that you are saved, then it is so. And so this morning, I want you, those of you who have never given your life to Christ or those of you who would like to rededicate their life to Christ this morning to pray this prayer with me. Come on, let's pray together, church. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I am sorry. I ask you to come into my heart right now and clean me up, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. This morning, I acknowledge that Jesus was born, that he died for my sins, that he rose on the third day, and that he is coming back again. I acknowledge this morning that you are my Lord and Savior. From this moment forward, I'll be able to declare without a shadow of a doubt when someone asks me about my soul's salvation, I'll be able to declare that I am saved, I am saved, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, I encourage you now to let us know in the comments wherever you are watching. And then also, if you could send us an email, info at stlukegarland.org. We would love to walk out this salvation walk with you and talk more about this with you. And then also, if you would like to join our church family, we would love to have you. Yes, we're 100% virtual at this time out of the abundance of caution for COVID-19 and the Delta variant. But you can also be a part of our online campus and ministry. And we encourage you to do so because we are always going to be here online and we are so thankful to have active participating online members and we want you to be a part of that family as well and so let us know in the comments that you would love to be a part of this church family or you can send us an email at info at stlukegarland.org and we will communicate with you there. We love you so much, church family, and we thank you for those of you who are joining and giving your life to Christ this morning. Hey, family, we pray that this word has encouraged and inspired you. And right where you are, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so that you can listen to the word of God each and every single week. If you want to know more information about St. Luke Garland, or if you want to sew, please visit our website at stlukegarland.org. We'll see you next week.